The following audio is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. I just want to clear the air a little bit as I get up uh, this, this morning. I, I did come from Phoenix, and um, I've only lived there for 11 and a half months, so I'm, I'm not really a true uh, Phoenician you know, if you will. So I just wanted to clear the air because I've sensed since I've been in Phoenix that there's a little tension between uh, Tucson and Phoenix. So I just want to say go Wildcats. Wait, is this being recorded? <laughs> Maybe I should take that back. I, I'm so excited to be here and um, so excited for First John. This is such um, a challenging book and yet such an encouraging and a practical book too. And I love the focus that you guys have taken on everyday Jesus. What does it mean to have Jesus and have faith in every aspect of life? I think that's a very powerful way to look at this book. And I'm assuming that you guys looked last week at this phrase, uh, do not love the world, at the end of the passage right before the one that we're looking at today. And he's still kind of in that vein because in John's, in John's world, the world is, is a negative thing. And, and he's saying, I want to add an extra warning. I want to, to warn you of one other thing. It's the last hour. And I'm afraid for you. I'm afraid of what you're hearing. I'm afraid of the voices that you're taking in. And so that's what we're going to pick up this morning. I'd love to pray for us just as we get started. Let's pray. Father, it is humbling and amazing to sit at your feet and to hear your word and to realize the ways that it, it, it works for us and, and yet it challenges us. And I pray, Father, as we spend just a few minutes um, in it, that your Holy Spirit would apply truth and that you would come here and be with us. We, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you uh, for his sacrificial death, for his life on our behalf, and um, we pray that he would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Quote, People want to be told what to do so badly that they'll listen to anyone. People want to be told so badly what to do, what to do with their lives, what to do about anything, parenting, whatever, that they'll listen to anyone. Who said it? Certainly not someone who's got just this beaming view of of human nature, right? Uh, This sounds like somebody who's jaded, someone who is cynical. It sounds like Don Draper. We get some, some recognition in here, so I know we, we've got some, uh, some Mad Men watchers. There's, there's a TV show called Mad Men, and if you're not familiar, I'll just fill you in. It's, it's set in the 1960s, and it's about the advertising industry in New York. And, and the protagonist, Don Draper, he is just this, this enigmatic figure. He's just a mystery. And, and what, you're always trying to figure out what motivates Don Draper. What's, what's going on in his head? He's just this cynical uh, person. And he's a womanizer, and he's an alcoholic, and he's, he's a manipulator, and he's a control freak, and you're just trying to figure out what drives this guy. And yet, he speaks truth, and he's, he's pretty cool, too. So you, you're kind of rooting for him in the meantime. And he says this, this quote, people want to be told so badly what, they, what, what to do that they'll listen to anyone. And then he says this in, uh, in the second season, I believe, or the first season, I can't remember, He's sitting with a client, this, uh, this client for advertising, and he's, uh, he's trying to, to sell their company, and they're about to walk away because they've had some bad press recently, and they're not really convinced that Don 
can, uh, can pull this off. And then he, out of nowhere, he comes up with this amazing idea. He gives it to them, lays it out before them, and then he says this. Advertising is based on one thing, happiness. And you know what happiness is? Happiness is the smell of a new car. It's freedom from fear. It's a billboard on the side of the road that screams reassurance that whatever you are doing is okay. And then he gets this kind of distant look in his eye, uh, and you can tell that the character Don Draper is no longer talking to these clients. He's almost talking to himself, and he says, you are okay. Putting those two quotes together, I think he gives us a view of human nature that is very powerful and something that we need to hear. He says people want to be told what to do, and they want to be told that they're okay. I don't know if you resonate with that at all, but I actually think that there's something really to that. We want to be told what to do with our lives. We want to do the right thing. We want to have the right path. And we want to be okay. And I actually think that is something that God has given to us. I think that deep in our hearts, we all want some kind of gospel to be true, right? We use that word gospel sometimes. It means good news. We, we all want some good news to be preached to our hearts. We want to be told what to do, and we want to be told that we're okay. The, but the problem is, is that um, there's no shortage of people that want to fill in that void for us, right? We believe here that, that Jesus is the Christ, and he preaches the true gospel, and we're going to get to that today. I hope you talk about it every single week. I trust that you do. But there's all kinds of other things that want to fill in our hearts, right? And, but this is something that God has given us. St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And so we all have this deep desire. The question is, what's going to fill it? And what John is saying is that there are people that want to fill it with all kinds of things. There, there are vultures out there. There are false prophets. There is false message and false teaching. And we have to be honest and face that straight up. The problem that I want us to look at today for just the next few minutes is, is this. The problem is we live in a world of voices that draw us away from Jesus. We live in a world of voices that draw us away from Jesus. It was the same for John as he writes this in 1 John. He calls these voices antichrists. Antichrist, such a weird word in a way, right? I mean, it, it brings up kind of this apocalyptic imagery. It's, it's weird, Antichrist. And so what does it mean that he says to Antichrist, these people that are giving a different message than what he has delivered to them? Well, there's a couple of possibilities of what it, what it might mean, this, this word Antichrist. Uh, the first is that, that he could be using anti there in the same way that we, we use it in English. When we say anti Christ, or when we say anti-something, we mean against, right? So anti-government, anti-whatever. We, we mean we're against that. And so that certainly could be the case as well here. He's saying there are people that oppose Christ. They're against him. But actually in Greek, there's another way that you can, you can read this. It's, uh, it can also mean before or instead of or in the place of Christ. Anti-Christ meaning there are different saviors. There are different people that present themselves as the Savior, as the Christ. And Jesus seems to indicate this when he says in one of the Gospels, in the last days there will be those that claim to be Christ. There will be false Christ. And so commentators discuss this, and most agree 
that it's probably a little bit of both. It's probably a sense of, of a substitute here. There's a sense of antichrist. There's things that, that want to stand in the place for, for, of Christ for us. As we've said before, there are voices out there that want to fill the void in our hearts that we all naturally know that we have. And in doing so, they set themselves anti-Christ. They set themselves up against and rebel against Christ. We hear these voices all the time. There's the obvious ones, um, or maybe, maybe they're not obvious to you, but there, there, are, there are false teachers out there. There are people who have distorted views of who Jesus is. And if you listen to the world, um, listen to just uh, the mailers that you get in the mail or the people that come to your doorstep, you can, you can sense some of this. You can see some of it. But there's more subtle ways, too. We are just constantly inundated with voices, right, with messages, with institutions, with people who are talking to us. We listen to podcasts. We read best-selling authors. We read blogs, maybe. We, we have friends who are trying to influence us. This is what you should do with your life. This is the best way that you should live. We have bosses. We have just communication from our companies that we work for saying, this is the best way to be an employee. This is a good way to do this. We have entertainment, magazines. Everything that we have is, is, is shooting voices at us all the time, right? And so what we have to talk about is what, what are we going to do to discern among all of those voices? How can we possibly live in a way that we're actually listening to the right voices? Because all of these voices want to push something onto us, in a sense. They push this version of, a good, of the good life, this this gospel, in a sense. Maybe they're pushing the gospel of financial security or the gospel of, of peaceful family or the gospel of, of living vicariously through your children or the gospel of your career path, control, respect, all of these things that we hear. There's partial truths to everything, but if we fill our hearts, fill the void in our hearts with those things, they become a different gospel. So the main question I want us to talk about today is this. How do we decide which voices to listen to? How do we possibly discern among all of the voices that are out there, and there are tons, how do we actually decide what to listen to? And, and John answers this for us, and it's not a top ten list. It's, it's not a learn how to schedule your life better. It's not, uh, you know, learn to control things and then everything will fall into place. It's much simpler than that, and, and also much harder, right? It's simpler but harder. And the short answer that he gives us is that we have to learn to abide in the triune God. We have to learn to abide in the triune God. Is that clear enough? Learn to abide in the triune God? Is that, does that make sense to you? Are you good now for the week? You can go out and, uh, you know... Uh, you know what everyday Jesus is because you just know you need to abide. When I hear the word abide, I think of you know, the big Lebowski. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. And the dude abides or something. I, I don't know exactly what it means. So we've got to do some work to figure out what does it mean to abide. But it's clear that abiding is the answer. Six times in this passage he says abide. Abide, abide, abide. Don't listen to the Antichrist. Don't listen to these voices. Abide. What does he mean? Well, in John chapter 15, the Gospel of John, that's actually the abide chapter. If you're wanting a full picture of what abide is, this is where Jesus says, I am the true vine, 
you are the branches. And so abide in me. I want you to find your source of your life. I want you to remain with me. I want you to stay attached to me. And so that's the, the full picture here. But what I think John is saying here in this context is this. Abiding means that we're listening to the right voices. We're listening to the right messages. We're listening to the right sources to fill in that void that all of us have. So, how do we abide? We listen to the right voices, and we listen to three different voices. Listen to the people that God has given you. Listen to the truth that God has given you. And then listen to the spirit that God has given you. The people, the truth, and the spirit. That's what we're going to look at today. First is this. Listen to the people that God has given to you. He says this in verse 19. Who are these people? They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be complained that they all are not of us. You see, he, he makes the point very solidly here. There's a they and there's an us, right? There's, there's a they and there's an us. He's making a distinction He's talking, of course, to a particular church. And what he's really saying with this is is two things, a negative thing and and a positive thing. He's warning them to not listen to people who haven't hung around, to not listen to those voices. And in our culture, there is no shortage of people who want to tell us how to live our lives, right, from a distance. (laughs) There's all kinds of things out there that say this is the best way, but they don't know anything about you. They don't know what your life situation is. And yet they offer a version of the good life. They offer a version of of a gospel, we might say, and they don't know us. He says, don't listen to them. But but positively, don't listen to those voices that are far away, but but do listen to the voices of the people that God has put in your life here. This is another way of saying, live in community here. God has put you right here at Holy Cross Church for a reason. This is your us, right? This is, this is your church. This is your community. And I'm so thankful to see people join uh, this morning. That was a nice surprise to see so many people up here and the commitment that they're taking. That's a wonderful thing. That's exactly what he's talking about. Join here. This is your community. But secondly, he also means this, teachers. Your community and your teachers, these are the people that God has given to you. And John identifies himself. He's part of the, the us, right? There's they and there's us. He's part of their community, and yet he's also their, their authority. He calls them dear children at the beginning of the passage. He says, you're my children. I want to instruct you. He is someone that they need to listen to. He's saying, listen to me. I'm trying to teach you something. And we also are reminded that we're all under authority. Every person in this room is under authority. And and God has given you guys Pete and the elders at at Holy Cross, and that's that's your authority. He's, He's put them here for you. Listen to them. Listen to the voice of the people that God has given to you. I want to apply this to us this morning, and sometimes I think the best way, uh, you know, there's so many ways that we could, we could apply uh, text to our hearts. One of, the, one of the best ways, I think, is to, is to say, do this first, right? Do this first, because sometimes learning discernment, learning to listen to the right voices is like putting Ikea furniture together. Um, so 
you know, if you've ever put IKEA furniture together, some of it is just amazingly simple. But then the majority of it is like you're so confused because there's no written instructions. I, are you guys with me? I mean, you ever put something together? So when I first moved to Phoenix, um, we had to get office furniture, uh, and I wanted this bookshelf that all the other pastors on staff had. I had a little envy, you know, a little white bookshelf that goes above your desk. And so I got warned, don't, don't do it, Gray. They're impossible to put together. And, um, and so I didn't listen, and I went and bought this bookshelf, and I'm going through it uh, step by step, and it's, it's not so bad. Like, I'm, I'm getting it done, you know. And uh, I get to step eight, and um, step eight. I, I, I remember that it was step eight. This is what's going to, a little insight. It was so frustrating, that step eight. I could not figure out, based on the pictures, you know, there's no written instructions. There's nothing there. It's just I couldn't figure out what they were trying to get me to do. And I spent half an hour just trying to, to figure it out. And eventually I got so frustrated, I just went back through the directions backwards uh, to step one. And I realized in step one, there's some small print. Uh, there was a little, a little picture off to the side. And it says, if you want to do this configuration of your, your uh, bookshelf, then uh, you need to jump to step eight. Uh, it was comical. I took a picture of it. It was like way off to the side. It didn't make any sense. And I realized that I had to do, take it apart and start with step eight. And so sometimes I think that we need to hear, do this first. And I want to challenge you guys this morning to build on this first. If you are wondering how to live in this world of voices, if you're wondering what's the best way to do the things that I know I need to do to be a family man or a woman, to, to raise my kids or whatever, the first thing is that you have to dive in here. This is your community. This is the people that God has given to you. He hasn't given you people who are far away. He's given you the people that are here sitting next to you. And I want to challenge you to find a way to settle in. And uh, if you're already a part of this community, to go even a step further and find a community within your community. I challenge you to do that. I feel uh, also compelled to, to get, give a little extra challenge here, too, since I'm going back to Phoenix in a couple of hours, and I can just kind of put my tail between my legs and, and leave, and you probably won't see me again for a while. Um, I, I want to challenge you to listen to Pete and the elders, too. These are your teachers. These are the people that God has given to you. Find your encouragement. Find your drive for serving. Find everything, um, God's direction, in what they are doing. Listen to them. Pete, you can pay me later for this. Um, no, but, but seriously, he has put you here. And we live in a culture that has lots of, of Christian voices, right? We have Christian celebrities. We have podcasts. We have whatever. And it's tempting to just live our lives vicariously through all these, these other leaders. And yet you don't know them, and they don't know you. And uh, it's, it's interesting to look at the history and see all of these prominent Christians at times often, often come to shame, even within their own generation, in some, sort of, in some sense. So I challenge you, listen here, dig in here, serve here, be here. This is the people that God has given to you, both the teachers and the elders, but also the people that are sitting next to you. Secondly, we need to listen to the people that God has given us, but also we need to listen to the truth that God has given to us. Where do we find this truth? Verse 21 says this, 
I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. He's talking about truth. This, this abide in what you've heard from the beginning. Abide in two things. God's Word and the historic confessions of, of the church. The historic truths that we have confessed for a long time. Abide in God's Word. In John chapter 17, the Gospel of John, he says this prayer, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. This is the source of truth that God has given to us. This, this word. This is given as a way to, to understand how do we discern all of the voices that we hear in the world. We start here. And we also have the historic confessions of the church. And he talks about confessing the Father and the Son here. And we, we're tempted to just kind of skip over that. Like, what does that, what does that even mean? Like, I, that sounds good to me. But this is actually a good plug for why we do uh, theology, why we go deeper into who Jesus is. Because we have to have the right view of Jesus if we want to discern the voices that we hear in the world. And this is the teaching. This is the truth that's been delivered to us, that, that Jesus is 100% God. He is 100% man. He came into the world, into the flesh, as, as, a, as a man, and he lived the life we couldn't live, and he died a death we couldn't die for ourselves, and he was raised from the dead bodily, and he ascended into heaven. That is the, the pattern that we learn in Scripture and that what has been affirmed throughout the centuries, and we, we need that. We need to understand. We need to go deeper into those things. And here's a little test. Um, before you listen to a voice, uh, any voice, know what they think about Jesus. So that person who comes to your doorstep and says that they like Jesus, you need to be able to say, like, what do you like about Jesus? What's, what's the, uh, what do you think about him really? Would you say that he was 100% God? Would you say that he was 100% man? Would you say that he came in the flesh? John says there will be people out there, and there are people today, who deny this. And we have to be ready. But what about those other more subtle messages that we hear? Those voices that we hear all the time through the media, through whatever, that are telling us this is the good life, this is what you should do. We have to evaluate them by Jesus as well. We ask ourselves, what are you trying to get me to do? Who are you trying to get me to believe in? Are you promising something that you can't fulfill? I heard a story of a pastor who, uh, you know, he he had rules for his kids with television, uh, which I thought were pretty extreme, but I heard him give this example. Uh, He's like, kids, you can watch television, you can watch even the commercials, um, but after every commercial, he would make them say something uh, after the commercial. He would say, uh, you've got to say, yeah, right, <laughs> at the end of every commercial. Or, um, you know, uh, you expect me to believe that? Or, you're a liar. He would make them say something negative uh, to, the, to the commercial every single time it came on. And, you know, we don't, um, we're, we're a fan of culture and commercials and, and, and you know, TV and, and even advertising. I don't mean to beat up on advertising this morning. Uh, but, but there was something to that that I, that I thought was compelling. He's, he's saying... These messages that my kids are hearing, I want them to be able to say, yeah, right. I want them to not believe that these things that are promised bring ultimate fulfillment. 
And so I want to say again, remember the Ikea furniture. Stop. Do this first. Uh, Don't build on the wrong foundation. Find a way to be in God's truth regularly. Could it be that, that you're... You're not feeling anchored. That you're not. You're feeling like I don't know what to do with my life. There's there's all these things that tell me to raise your kids this way and do this and do this and do this, and there's all these voices. And maybe at times you feel like I don't know what to do. Could it be that that you need to feed more on God's truth, what He's revealed in the Word here? If you aren't growing, feeding, and delighting in God's Word, what hope do you have of hearing and obeying the voice that God is trying to? to give to you, the, the path of discernment that he is putting before you. Thirdly, this. We need to listen to the spirit that God has given to us. We need to listen to the people here, your teachers, your community. We need to listen to the word, the, the truth that God has given to us, the word and the, the history of the church. But we need to listen also to the spirit. This is something that is so important and yet we don't do this well at all. We're kind of scared of the Holy Spirit, right? We're, we're kind of weirded out by the Holy Spirit. But He is, is the one who applies the work of Jesus to our hearts. He is the one who guides us and teaches us. Uh, we see a big contrast in verse 20. He's been saying, they and us. There's a they and there's an us. And then He focuses on the us. But you, church, have been anointed by the Holy One. And you all have knowledge. And in verse 27, he, he repeats this, but the anointing that you have from, from the Holy Spirit that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and it's true, and is no lie. This anointing from the Holy Spirit teaches us all the truth that we know about God is, is applied to us by the Holy Spirit. He's the reason that we have knowledge from that anointing. And, and maybe you're, you're weirded out by those verses. Maybe you don't quite understand them. Like you have no need of, of someone who, to teach you. That, it may strike you as strange because, A, uh, the Bible says we should listen to solid teaching. Um, and then, B, John himself seems to be teaching right here. So what's going on here? What he's saying is, is this. He is, we don't need new tricks. We don't need new teaching. We need to learn how to abide in what we already know. We need to learn to abide and listen to the Holy Spirit. Do this first. If you're wondering, how do I discern? How do I live in the world? How do I find the right path? Do this first. Pray to the Holy Spirit for guidance daily. I... I heard a pastor speak um, a few months ago. His name is Jeff Vanderstelt. He's a pastor in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, he, he had this, just, this bit about the Holy Spirit that really challenged me, and I've been seeking to live it out uh, very imperfectly. But he, he said, this is a paraphrase, Every day I wake up and talk to the Holy Spirit. I say, show me which people you want me to talk to. Show me what activities you want me to do. Put your work before me. See, he started the day. He, he talked to the Holy Spirit. He listened. He lived. He abided in the triune God. He said, show me. And, you know, he was flexible. Oh, I guess you didn't want me to do my to-do list today. I guess you wanted me to spend the day in the hospital with this person. I guess you wanted me to do this. He lived in the Holy Spirit. And I want to do that as well. 
Ask for that daily. Do that first. If we ignore the work of the Holy Spirit and what He does in our hearts, then we can have no hope of figuring out the voice that God's given us. He's given us people. He's given us His truth. And He's given us the Spirit. I want to close today just by looking briefly at at one other question. And it's the why question. So we've seen how do we abide. We abide in the truth. We abide with people. We abide in the Spirit. And that's what he's given to us. But, but why? Why should we abide in the triune God? Out of all of the voices that are out there, out of all of the messages that we could listen to that promise fulfillment, that promise the good life, why should we listen to him? And John, I think, reassures us of this with uh, three brief things I want us to see. What he offers to us is beyond Anything that another voice can offer. It's these things. Eternal life. Verse 25. And this is the promise that he made to us. Eternal life. Eternal life. John is obsessed with life, right? If you read the book of John, 1 John and the Gospel of John, they're the same author. He's obsessed with life. Life now, what does it mean to live right now? but eternal life as well. What does it mean to live eternally? He loves life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has come that we might have life abundantly. John 10. Life. Why should we listen? Why should we abide in this triune God, this God in the Bible? It's because He offers us this. Every other voice out there stops at the grave. Every other voice that we could possibly listen to stops at the grave. Leo Tolstoy, the, the great Russian author, had a, a crisis of faith in his life, and, and he said uh, this famous quote as, um, as he was reflecting on it. Um, Is there any meaning in my life that my inevitable death will not take away? Is there any meaning in my life that my inevitable death will not take away? And the answer was yes for him as he came back to faith after wandering from it. Because he saw that there is eternal life here. And I'm not just saying this is pie in the sky. You should have faith in Jesus because one day you'll have eternal life. You can have life right now. But nothing else offers eternal life. He gives us this gift, this reward, eternal life. If you have not placed your trust in Jesus, this is why you should listen to this voice. This is why you should listen here. Because nothing else offers that kind of assurance. Secondly, we not only get eternal life, but we get this confidence. Confidence. Verse 28. And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from Him in shame. At his coming. We can have confidence. <laughs> you ever wonder, I know that you do, because I do all the time. What am I am I doing the right thing with my life, the right things? Am I parenting well? Am I am I doing anything right? Am I a good husband, a good wife? And of course we're always going to have some of those doubts, but what this is saying is that this puts us on a pathway of listening to the right voice and a growing confidence in seeing that Jesus is the answer. He is the voice that we listen to. And we don't have to, to fear anymore. And we don't have to live in this, this feeling of like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to, what to live for. 
Jesus says, abide in me and you will have confidence. And I love that in that verse it says, when he appears, we may have confidence. What does that mean? It's actually better translated at his revealing. It's, it's more of a passive. It's not he's popping out of nowhere like Jesus is here. It's more like he's, he's unveiled. We see Jesus. And I love the confident picture that this gives us for our everyday life. It's like when you abide in Jesus, there's this growing sense of you see Jesus more and more in the world. A growing confidence that this is what we need to live for. This is what's most important. It's, it's everyday Jesus, and more and more you see God revealed, and you get that confidence. You see the world with a beautiful and confident outlook, and this confidence can only be yours. Nothing else offers it except Jesus. Thirdly, eternal life, confidence, and peace. Verse 27 says, But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Again, we said this is not, he, he's teaching right here, so he's talking about new teaching. You don't have to learn something new. You can chill out. You can have peace. I, I sometimes wonder about the effectiveness of, of all these blog articles that we might read of, you know, top 10 this or, you know, three, three ways to get better at your marriage. And it's, it, those can be helpful at times as long as they're lining up with, with what God has, has revealed in his word. But it's also exhausting, isn't it? Just to, to think about all the different areas of my life that I have to get in order. Um, what he's saying is, abide. Do, do these things first. Do the most important things first and learn to abide in the triune God. And then everything else it comes into view after that. It's the same as what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Do these things first. What's most important is not what you can learn now, but what you already know. There's so many voices in the world. When, when I was in seminary, um, I worked for three years at, at this huge guitar uh, store, actually the largest independent guitar store in the Midwest, so massive. They had all these acoustic guitars, electric guitars, um, and I started working there, and I was selling uh, guitars, uh, but not selling them very well. Uh, so I never really got very good at selling guitars, uh, but that's another story. But... The, the reason why I was so bad at selling them was because I was, like, overwhelming the customers, right? So uh, when somebody would come in, I would show them, like, everything. So we had, like, 3,000 guitars or something. I wouldn't actually show them 3,000. But I, I remember uh, this one guy came in, right, when I started working there. And I spent, like, two or three hours with him on the, on the floor. And I showed him probably, like, 50 guitars. And, uh, you know, at the end, we kind of whittled it down to two or three and, uh, and he, he walked away not buying anything, right? Because he had, he had heard all these other guitars, and it made him so uncertain about which one he should get. And so my manager took me aside, you know. I was like, Gray, you're a hard worker. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've got the sales gene so much, uh, but, like, you're a hard worker. You're doing great. Great customer service. Thank you for spending so much time with these customers. But you're overwhelming them with choice. You're giving them too much. And he said, uh, remember this. So there's this technical term, like voicing of a guitar. So uh, the voicing of a guitar is, uh, is the way that that particular guitar sounds and all the things that contribute to that. And he said, the human brain, it, it can't remember uh, the voicing of a particular guitar beyond two minutes. So what you're doing as you show them these 50 guitars 
is you're overwhelming them. There's no way that they can remember or even compare. <clears throat> and of course, what he wanted me to do was sell more guitars, uh, obviously. But he was onto something there. What he says is so true. And I feel that way all the time in this world of voicings, vo- of voices that we hear. The, the things that we hear all the time that inundate us, saying this is true, this is right, and some of it is just wrong. John is saying there are false teachers out there. There are people that, that want to get a hold of you. and they want, to, um, they want to profit off of you. And we need to avoid those. But on top of that, there's all these other voices that are, that are good or they offer just partial truths. And it's overwhelming because we want to know how do we live? How do we listen? And there is no shortcut to figuring out how we do that, how we discern. What does it mean to discern? It's a lifelong process of learning to abide, growing and abiding in, in the triune God as he's revealed himself in the scripture. But he tells us in 1 John what is the most important thing, things that we can do. And it's this, find those people here. Find a community here. That's the primary way that God is going to be communicating on a day-to-day basis with you. Involve yourself in the truth. Grow deeper in the truth. The more you know about Jesus, the more that you're a disciple of Jesus and you read, I I challenge you to even just read through the Gospels and write down this one column, like, who is Jesus? And grow deeper into who Jesus is because then you can see how he's appearing in the media that you that you listen to and and everything, you become very discerning. But don't leave out the Holy Spirit either. Walk with the Holy Spirit, as the Scripture says. Keep in step with the Spirit. Pray to Him daily. Make Him an everyday part of what you're doing. He's the only voice, God is, the triune God that's revealed in the Bible. He is the only voice that gives us eternal life and a sense of peaceful and confident hope. He's the only way. He's the only anchor that we can ultimately have. Would you pray with me? God, we confess that we don't know how to live, really. We are overwhelmed with the good and the bad and the ugly uh, things that we hear every day. And I pray that you would give us discernment, that Jesus would go with us every day, uh, growing deeper into the life that he lived and and the death that, that he died on our behalf, I pray that you would apply that more and more to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That you would give us the helper, the guide, the Holy Spirit to to comfort us and to to show us what our day to day should be. And that you, the triune God, would be glorified in what and how we live. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more audio and information, please visit holycrosstucson.com.